I'm Rowdy McLean and this is the Play A Bigger Game podcast where we bring you tips, tricks, ideas and interviews on how you can play a bigger game and we have got a cracker of a guest along today to talk to you about their bigger game. So Kirsty Spragan kicked off her entrepreneurial world in Perth as one of the top 1% of Remax Global real estate agents worldwide and uh, that journey has now finished well it's not finished still going but she is currently living the dream on the beach in Santa Monica just a stone's throw from all the Hollywood superstars she's a rock star in her own right she's got a, a show called Kirsty TV which we'll find out more about had over a million views on the channel on YouTube Kirsty is a fantastic friend of mine a real rock star and somebody who understands what it takes to play a bigger game. How are you today, Kirsty? I'm fantastic. That's good to hear, good to hear. So let's uh, let's not start off in Santa Monica because we'll get to that. I think the people that are listening to this show are people that are either rock stars in their own right and want to be bigger rock stars or people who are chasing down their own hopes and dreams. And uh, when you were growing up in Perth, did you ever imagine that you would end up where you've ended up today? No, <laughs> not in a million years. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a step-by-step process for you. Yes, for sure. Lots of little steps and mini mountains along the way, some bigger than others. Little steps and mini mountains. We'll talk more about that in a minute. So um, what was your rise to fame in Perth? How, how did you play a bigger game when you're growing up in Perth and you managed to become one of Remax? top 1% global real estate agents? I think I um, have always had a drive um, and ambition to be great at whatever I'm doing. So whether I've been in real estate, whether I've been speaking, whether I'm developing the TV show, I was never one to put um, financial goals on a vision board. For me, the dream, the vision has always been about how do I be world-class at this. Um, So that was kind of my, whether you call it your competitive nature or um, perfectionism, Um, but there was kind of like a set of standards, you know, and I wanted to, I would, uh, that was kind of my aspiration was to be one of the best at whatever I was doing. And so in doing that, I think you naturally end up um, at the top of the tree uh, when it comes to the financial side as well. It's like the the payoff. Awesome. Here we are just a couple of minutes into the show. We've got our first great tip, right? So you didn't go, I want to be a rock star speaker traveling around the world and with my own TV show in Hollywood. You went, I want to be fantastic at where I am right now. Yeah. I want to be great. You know, I didn't want to just be average. I, um, in everything I've ever done, I've had coaches and mentors that I've worked with. I've studied and learned. Like the first thing I did when I moved and tra- made the transition into speaking, for example, was find out who were the best in my state and then in the world and ended up studying with them. And um, similarly in real estate, I think I was maybe in my first nine months and I went to a conference um, over in Queensland and at that conference happened to be one of the top performers. He was probably in the top 10 in the country for Remax and I asked him if I could spend a little bit of time with him um, if I came over to Queensland again 
And he said, sure. I said, um, so when can I do that? And he, I don't think he thought I was serious at first. And when he realized I was actually going to be coming, um, he offered for me to shadow him for three days. And so I ended up staying with his family and um, people thought in Perth, you know, other people in my office thought I was a bit nuts. Um, but that's, I think, indicative and sort of um, – shows who who I am and who I've always been in whatever I'm doing. It's like um, I want to learn from the best and stand on the shoulders of giants kind of thing and um, hear from them what they're doing so I can leverage and fast-track my own journey by not having to make those mistakes or figuring out the quickest path to get to where I need to go. And uh, do you find that when you seek those people out, and I know that you've not only done it in real estate, you've done it in speaking, in the TV industry, you, you, when you seek those people out, do you find that they're fairly generous with their ideas and their time? Yeah, definitely. I mean, look, I think that not everyone is going to be open to it. Um, certainly, I would say 80% of the mentors that I've had have been people who I've done something for them. And so even as, um, you know, when I first started out speaking, um, one of my mentors who I looked up to had just moved back to the area and was rebuilding themselves. And so I was able to help them in a way that most other people would have gone, well, what can you do for that person? They're so far up the chain kind of thing. Um, but I was able to help them and I was able to, um, you know, with my sales background and marketing and look at things for them and help them reposition as they were starting all over. Um, but they'd been in the industry 25 years. So there was so much they could teach me in terms of um, stagecraft and storytelling and that side of things. So and that's been the case, you know, there was one of the, the guys who I really admired was in, out in America when I was in Sydney and I, um, I had asked, you know, one of my other mentors, who do you think I should study with? And they're like, this person, they're, you know, the best in the world and I've spent 20 years studying from them. And so I rang them up and I said, you know, what would it cost to get you out to Australia? Because um, I realised very quickly it was my first year speaking, I wasn't going to be able to afford to fly to America and study with them for a week. So I ended up um, booking them to come to Australia. I got 25 of Australia's top speakers together in a room and they basically paid for me to be able to spend time with this person for free for 14 days. And so, um, but that person has gone on, you know, some six, seven years later, I'm still very close to and they will look at my videos and they'll watch things and they've become a friend as well as a mentor. Um, and so a lot of my coaches, I would say, are now friends slash mentors because it's become a very reciprocal relationship. Yeah, so you find a way to give something back other than just the, the, the financial reward for the experience. And in some cases, there's not a financial reward. I'm interested, um, do the people that are still in the real estate firm in Perth, do they still think you're nuts? No. <laughs> <laughs> No, not at all. I think um, I think they're pretty proud of where I've gone. Um, and I think there were lots of moments. I mean, when I left at the top of my game, you know, in the top 1% of 120,000 worldwide and I walked away to go and become a speaker, they again thought I must be losing my marbles. Like, who does that? Um, and so there were different times when they thought I was very much um, – you know, not all there, um, which is just hilarious. But I think that, you know, doing something that to them is so out of their comfort zone and um, seen as really courageous or crazy um, is is just something that you kind of learn along the way that not everyone feels comfortable with doing. 
And so they're projecting their fears onto you. Yeah, yeah. So there's our tip number two, right? I think that in order to achieve something remarkable, you've got to be courageous or crazy or sometimes it helps if you're a little bit both. Yeah, I, I engraved my bracelet when I moved to LA with the statement, a pinch of delusion, a dash of audacity and a shot of courage. And I really feel like that's the recipe. I knew that I was going to have to be um, a little bit deluded. Like you have to believe in yourself before anybody else sees the vision and the dream. Um, and you've certainly got to stay courageous and audacious and bold enough to, you know, push through the fear and to be so out of your comfort zone in new cities and with new people and a new culture and a new industry, you know, and going from the top of my game, like I was really good at what I did in real estate and to all of a sudden be a nobody in speaking, like that's a big hit to your ego as well. And there was a lot like it's like an identity crisis, you know, it was a really hard transition for me to to feel like the new kid on the block who didn't know anything um, when I was at these conferences learning how to become a speaker and hearing from these incredible people who'd done amazing things and, and feeling like, how am I ever going to be that person? It was hard. I think that's a perfect transition. What on earth made you go... I, so I know you wanted to be fantastic at real estate and you got there, but what on earth made you go, now I want to be a speaker? Yeah, I think it had always been there. When I was 15, I would do speaking competitions and I'd been listening to Zig Ziglar tapes and Brian Tracy's probably since 13, 14. And, um, and then going into sales, you know, you hear a lot of speakers, you're constantly at conferences. And so I always remember sitting there and thinking like, I want to make other people feel like that. And I think I had kind of parked it away as something that I would do in the future. When I got to a certain level of success, I saw a lot of speakers in the industry who had a background in real estate. So I saw that as being a possible transition, um, but it was something sort of further away. And then um, I got asked when I sort of got to that level of success, I started getting asked by the company to do some training for um, people within the group. And I think in that moment, I started to realize, well, this isn't something that you can just quickly transition into. You know, it takes years to build the craft. It's a whole other industry with a whole lot of other skills that I'm going to need. And that's going to take time. And so I started to question, you know, whether or not that was something I wanted to do. Now I started to get that niggly feeling and um, those taps on the shoulders and, and that inner voice um, with the whispers getting louder and louder that I sort of felt like, you know, this is the time you've got to take the leap of faith and um, listen to yourself. This is something you feel called to do. Yeah. And so it's, I think that's our third tip for today is that, if you don't take action on your dreams, they will always be just dreams, just digging in your way at, in the back of your mind or at the bottom of your heart. Just, uh, And that's a terrible feeling, I think, that, that, that you had something that you wanted to do but never had a go at it. So I think it's fantastic that you, mm. not only did well, you I want to be a speaker, but you became a very, very good speaker. And that journey ended up taking you uh, all over the world. But it's ultimately landed you in the United States. So can we talk about um, that transition? Yeah, and I just I want to say on that, I think that those lost dreams, I wouldn't be who I am today. It's not just that I wouldn't be doing this work, but the people I've met, who I've become, like it's taken me on such a journey and I'm it's like a 180. I am so different to who I was five years ago, 
before I moved to LA and was doing the talk show, but even, you know, 10 years ago coming from real estate. And when I think about that, it makes me so sad that, you know, I always said that I I could be willing to lose everything and have to go back and live in my parents' caravan, (laughs) (laughs) but I wasn't willing to not give it a go. But even then, I don't think I understood how big this dream is and how much it would transform me and my life and the places that it would take me. Yeah. So I, I reckon uh, you're good at this, Kirsty. I'm in love of this conversation. Uh, I'm sure that everybody else is. But I think the the fourth thing that I've just grabbed out of our conversation is that it's not the destination that makes you different. It's the journey that makes you different. Yeah, yeah. I love, you know, Sedman Hillary's quote. I talk about a lot in my speeches. It's not the mountains we conquer but ourselves. And there's no quote that means more to me. And it just resonates on such a deep level that this is never about the the mountain. It's about ourselves and the journey that we take ourselves on in terms of personal discovery. And, I mean, for me being an entrepreneur, whether it was in real estate or speaking or now with the talk show, um, all of those have been an eat, pray, love journey. You know, she went to Italy and ate and um, fell in love and all those things. But for me, my eat, pray, love journey and and the self-discovery journey has been through living my purpose and my calling as an entrepreneur. Um, And the way that it pushes me to be out of my comfort zone and to deal with rejection and to deal with persistence and to not give up on my dreams and to keep pushing forwards even on the days where you feel like you haven't got the same amount of faith and to look at what I need to do differently or who I need to have in my world to support me. All of those things have made me my best self. Yeah, so you're a better human being because you've gone on the journey. You've you've fought your way up and down the mountains and through the gullies and come out the other side. Without a doubt, 100%. And you know the funny thing is, if you didn't chase down your hopes and dreams, you would have still had that experience in Perth. But... The, like we, everybody has challenges and good times and bad times. You've just elevated the size of the challenge and also the size of the reward. And I think that's part of the value of of getting out of your comfort zone and doing the stuff that you've done. Is that the the challenges make you better, which is a reward in itself, and the rewards are so much bigger because you've you've gone after something. Yeah, I think. You know, and I don't think everyone needs to travel the world or, you know, you can have experiences around change by moving houses and moving suburbs or trying new hobbies. Um, But I think it's about listening to those whispers. I knew 100% that I was supposed to go and become a speaker. And had I stayed and played safe and small and stayed in real estate, I'd probably be retired by now. It would have been a hell of a lot easier. Um, (laughs) gosh, my life, I'd be on yachts and I'd have multiple properties and a Mercedes and oh, life would be so easy. Um, but I'd be bored. Am I allowed to say shitless? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be so bored and I, I wouldn't have met half of the incredible people that I've met. So I do think it's, it, it's for everyone, it's listening to whatever the whispers are telling you to do. And um, if that's, you know, getting out of a bad relationship or um, moving houses or changing cities or changing careers or trying something different, I think it's about that. It's about 
listening to those whispers and and having the courage to live your fullest potential and what your heart's desire is and not disappoint yourself because it's only you that's got to live with it at the end of the day, Um, all those blank spaces and dreams that don't get fulfilled. um, You know, it's you that's got to sit with that. Yeah, yeah, and I love, uh, like, you and I talk quite a bit because I spend a bit of time in the United States and in Santa Monica myself, and, you know, we talk about the challenges we face and stuff, but I loved it that before we got onto this call today and I asked you how you were, you went, Rowdy, I am so happy, so happy. It's a wonderful thing to, you know, to share the journey sometimes with people where they're going through the challenges and, and, and the tough times and then they're going through the good stuff. But at the end of the day, we all just want to be happy. And if you're not, if you're not uh, listening to those little whispers that are telling you that you're not happy and exploring why you're not happy, you're ne- never going to play a big game. Yes. Yeah. Oh, amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that. <laughs> Time is kicking away. We, we need 90 minutes for this call. But uh, So the real estate people in Perth heard what you're doing and said, she's nuts. And, but you went on to become one of the top 1% at Remax Global. And then you moved to Sydney and started this speaking career. And somewhere you decided that you needed to take the speaking career off to the United States. I bet you there were a bunch of speakers around going... Kirsty's nuts. Yeah, yeah, especially the ones out here who knew how hard it was. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that's where that pinch of delusion. Had I listened to them, I would have got talked out of it. Had I known how long and hard this was going to be, this journey and this transition, I probably wouldn't have come. So I think that there is this the, that de- beautiful delusion that helps uh, propel us towards our dreams. And um, and I would never say to anyone that doing this is easy. Like it's the hardest thing ever, but it's so rewarding. And if you keep climbing, like there, there isn't a mountain that we can't climb. You know, when we think about it, like if you have the right tools, you have the right people with you, whether it's Sherpas pushing you up, um, you know, and you have, uh, you might have to sit down, you might be tired, you might get, um, what do you call it, on your feet, blisters, you might have to take your shoes off, you might have to sit, camp out on that mountain for a week. But eventually you get back up and you keep climbing. And I think that that's such a great analogy for what this journey has been for me over the last 10 years of leaving real estate. And it's like there have been so many highs, but there's also been times when I'm sitting on that mountain and I'm cut and grazed and sore and tired and just crying and in fetal position and thinking like I can't do this anymore and I feel so unsupported and no one's here with me and all those things that come up for every entrepreneur. But then it passes, you know, there's that beautiful quote, this too shall pass, and you figure out how to unslump yourself and that's probably been one of the biggest learnings for me personally is learning how to know myself well enough to know what I need to get out of my slump and to get back in flow and to get back in the zone um, quicker and so that I can get up and keep climbing. But that can be up and down. You know, when I first moved to LA, I reckon it was every week I would be up and down, up and down, in flow, out of flow, in a funk, in a funk, <laughs> so tired, so just emotional. Like it was hard. I moved here with nobody and and that's when it hit me, I think. I'd been so focused on the move and the journey of I'm going to leave real estate and be a speaker and then I'm going to leave speaking and move to America. Each time I made those journeys, there was so much energy going into making it happen but then there's this week when it happens 
and you're in Sydney to be a speaker or you're in LA to develop the talk show and then you're like, oh, my God, what have I done? Like, <laughs> am, I, um, am I crazy like they're all telling me? Do I really have any idea how to do any of this and how long it's going to take me? Where do I even begin? So I think the reality hits you. Um, and then again, you sit down, you cry for a little bit, you dust off and you have a rest and then you get back up and you keep climbing. Yeah. And uh, I love that whole conversation. If we only did the podcast on, we, we just had one minute, I would replay what you just said because <laughs> it's, it, you know, it doesn't matter where you are, whether you're trying to lose five kilos, trying to get a promotion, trying to, you know, learn to play guitar. Like, you don't have to be striving to be a celebrity or or a speaker or an entrepreneur. Some people are just striving to get by, and and it's okay to to sit out and uh, and uh, have a little uh, woe is me moment to get through that, isn't it? It is. And within, I mean, even within those people who have those big dreams, like I'm still an everyday person. I'm single. I'm living here alone in LA. So you still have all the real issues of like, I'm still trying to lose weight. I'm still trying to like get a relationship happening. Like, so everyone has these multiple layers and multiple pieces of themselves that they're constantly working on. And that's tough too, when, you know, you're perhaps something there is putting you in a bit of a funk and it's not quite working, but you're really um, trying to be, uh, you know, uh, stay inspired and motivated in your work area. So I think that, you know, we're all, we're human and there's, you've got to have it from this holistic approach. And sometimes you need to give yourself a break and other times you need to push harder. I, I love that term that you just used a minute ago, unslump yourself. So if you yeah. had to give somebody some quick tips, somebody who's listening to the show and go, actually, I'm going through a slump right now. What's your tips for how do you unslump yourself yeah well the word comes from dr seuss he has this great book called oh the places will go that one of my mentors gave me before i left um and i read it all the time and i talk about it on stage and i talk about how i unslump myself and i get the audience to actually create their own unslump list because i think you know as i said that for me has been the key learning is how do I get myself out of that place quicker? And I think there's a few things. I think you need to know what it feels like when you're in flow. You need to know what it, what it feels like when you're in the zone, when everything's working for you and what triggers that. What is your why? Like, is it being on stage? Is it reading to people? Is it being with your family? Like, what are the things that you know bring that feeling on and what does it feel like? And then you need to know the opposite because you need to know when you go to it and the, the difference between the two. So the first thing is recognizing it. And for a lot of us, the not being in the zone is things like being overwhelmed, being stressed, being in fear, having rejection, um, whether it's business or personal. And so looking at that and knowing myself well enough, and then I go, so when I'm in it and I recognize I'm in it, I start asking myself, the first question is, so what is it? Is it that there's just been something that's triggered it, like um, a rejection and um, just sort of feeling unsupported? And then I go, so what do I need to fix that? And I have a go-to list and usually for me one of the top of the list is always reaching out and talking to someone who's a fellow entrepreneur, someone who gets it and understands and just having a conversation with them so that I fill that piece up and feel supported and loved. Um, sometimes it's making myself push through it and work. And other times it's allowing myself a break and going, you know what, you're being so hard on yourself. I'm like my biggest critic. 
And so sometimes it's like, let's just sit on the couch for the day with apple pie and watch some movies or go to the beach and feel the sand between your toes and the sun. So it's always different, but there's, I have sort of like a half a dozen things, music, um, but choosing to unslump is also a hard thing. Like for a lot of us, people just sort of go, the default is to numb. So I'll just go out and I'll drink or I'll eat, you know, food, sex, drugs, all of those bad things that we'll use to numb our feelings and not deal with this stuff that then creates, you know, a compounds the issue. It's a choice to go, how am I going to unslump myself? What am I going to do that's healthy, whether it's giving myself a break or going for a run or having a walk or listening to some music or listening to one of my guided meditation CDs, um, whatever it is. But for me, I make sure that my unslump list is healthy choices that don't involve numbing other than maybe the little bit of apple pie. But one, <laughs> one day of watching some movies and sitting on the couch with some ice creams, not the end of the world. Um, but I, I would say 90% of the things on that list are about nurturing and comfort and um, joy and things that bring me back to feeling grounded and happy. That's absolute gold, absolute gold. Everything that you just said is perfect for the people listening to the program. I must say, Kirsty, you've been in America too long when you go maybe a piece of apple pie. <laughs> but uh, I think everybody needs an unslump list or a go-to unslump strategy. Even me, yeah. I'm thinking, what would my unslump strategy be? And, and it would probably be go and hit 100 golf balls as far <laughs> and as hard as I possibly can. But, uh, and being with your family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's so many things, that simple things in, that yeah. you can do, you know. And it is so simple, but it's a choice. It's, it's so simple, but it's too easy nowadays. Most people choose the numbing and to just not think about it. So it, I just really say to people, like, it's simple and easy, but do it. Make the choice to do something that's going to be healthy for you and set you on a different path because the numbing stuff ends up keeping you in the slump longer. Absolutely. And, and like you said, it compounds the problem. Absolute yeah. goal, Kirstie. We're running out of time. So uh, right. let me see. You've uh, left Perth as a rock star, gone to Sydney to become a speaker as a rock star, went to LA to start your own TV show, which we're going to talk about in a second, and we've only got about five minutes, so it's going to have to be fast. But I reckon we'll get you back on the show. I've loved this, and I'm sure the listeners will. So uh, you get to LA and you start Kirsty TV. Tell me all about that. Um, so, you know, it had just been a dream of mine to work with people, particularly in the space of shame and stigma, um, around sharing our stories, sharing our stories of addiction, depression, um, rape, all kinds of trauma. And I wanted to specifically around the, the journey that people had been on, but I wanted to share it from an inspirational point of view to help other people feel less alone and to inspire people that there's a way forward and, and to share stories that were real but also positive in that they had found a way through it and forward and share some of those lessons. So it was a real, um, I call it my heart's work, and for me that was a difference. I, I really noticed the others had all now begun to feel like my previous jobs were careers and this was now something that was me living in my dharma or my purpose. Um, and there's, I mean, that's just such a beautiful, magical journey and place to get to, um, and I wouldn't like 
would never wish my life and had not experienced this last 10 years. Um, even if I didn't make it and I had to go back home, this was still worth it just to have the experience of meeting the people and doing this work um, has been incredible. You've just got a new keynote out called The Transformational Power of Truth. Yes. That I think is the best work you have ever done. And so I know we've talked about you being a rock star in so many categories, but I think you have really, really found your space. And I think, uh, you know... The next few years are going to be absolutely rock star material for you. I think you're uh, you're somebody worth following, somebody worth connecting with. I know I've enjoyed knowing you for the last decade or so. But the people listening probably want to get to know you a little bit better as well. So how can people connect with Kirsty? Well, that um, talk that you just mentioned, they can go to my Kirsty TV Facebook page and it's pinned to the top, The Transformational Power of Truth. It's a 20-minute clip that I think is worth watching to the end. Um, and they can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, anywhere at Kirsty TV, um, KirstyTV.com, YouTube. They can Google Kirsty TV as well and watch any of our 100-plus episodes um, with incredible stories of, of people who are surviving and thriving and, and have gotten through all kinds of trauma. Um, and so, yeah, they can reach out, Kirsty at KirstySpragan.com. I'm very open and um, available to connect with anybody. Kirsty, you are an absolute legend. It's been so good having you on the Play a Bigger, Go- Play a Bigger Game podcast today. Mm-hmm. I'm a bit uh, speechless. It's been so good. I uh, can't get my words out. I love the conversation. I would love to have you back on the show again. Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you do check out Kirsty and connect with her. Download some of her stuff. Watch some of her shows. Subscribe to her Kirsty TV. She is a legend. She's going to be even a bigger legend. We'll get her back on the show. <laughs> By all means, send through. If you've got a question or comment or something, put it at the bottom of the podcast or send it through. Uh, if you'd like to hear more from Kirsty, just send me an email at podcast at rowdymclean.com. A great show, full of great tips, ideas, and a wonderful interview about playing a bigger game. Kirsty, we have to finish off with the one thing we finish all interviews off with. What's the one thing that has made you smile, giggle, or laugh today? Well, I'm not much of a dog person, and you know how Facebook brings up all those memories, and they come up years later, and this um, video uh, photo popped up where I had had a shower with a dog. My girlfriend ended up in um, ICU, and they given a special permission to take the dog in long story but somehow I ended up showering a dog and not being a dog person and I have this photo of the dog looking more terrified than me at the fact that I was getting in the shower with her (laughs) (laughs) it certainly cracked me up (laughs) (laughs) you have a wonderful laugh Kirsty you have a wonderful life you're a wonderful person thank you so much for being on the show thanks Rowdy it was a pleasure